Hello everybody and welcome to Volume 3, Issue 101 of the Kane and Rince podcast, Batman Arkham Asylum. You can of course play along with Kane and Rince Volume 3, we've got loads more podcasts coming up, the next 10 of which are Grabbed by the Ghoulies, Championship and Football Manager, Little Big Planet and Little Big Planet 2, Batman Arkham City, Killzone 2 and Killzone 3, Proteus, Mark of the Ninja, Super Mario Brothers and Super Mario Brothers 2 and the Lost Levels and Super Mario Brothers 3. Not sure how we're going to keep that under two hours. We'll see. Super Monkey Ball and Super Monkey Ball 2 and Nier. You can head to canerince.com for the full schedule as far as it's been announced anyway. And also uh, links to the forum. You can find a blog there, the merchandise store and of course our Facebook page, Twitter feed and YouTube channel. Uh, as ever, please subscribe, review, and rate us on iTunes. Now, joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue, we have Jay the Joker Taylor. How do <laughs> Living up to his name there. So, Jay, let's start with you. What's your history with uh, this game? And uh, and also, I'm interested in uh, your sort of your Batman situation. Were you a fan of the films, the TV show as a kid, the comics, the animation, or anything like that as well? Yeah, uh, well. I suppose initially that any the first sort of Batman thing that I ever encountered was obviously with the the TV show from the sixties, mm. as it was repeated in the seventies. <laughs> yeah, but um, I can't say I had any real inclination to Batman until the mid eighties, where it, you know there was a sort of, I guess it all ties in with the whole crisis on Middle Earth, uh, not Middle Earth, <laughs> crisis on Infinite Earth, different, um, very different Marvel series, which which. Around that time, you had Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns, and two well, two two Batman comics in particular that stood out. It was that and The Killing Joke. Mm. Um, but I can't say I was a massive Batman fan, really. Okay. Um, all right through the whole series. I mean, I watched the films, didn't pay that much attention to the animated series. Um, in fact, I paid more attention to it since playing this game. Oh, okay. Makes sense. Um, um, and did you play Arkham Asylum around the time of release, 2009? I think Was it August? I, think? I did, I did. But here's the thing. Because there was so much attention given to this game prior to the um, release about the combat system, mm. it didn't register on my radar because to me it looked like, uh, you know, a Batman-themed beat-em-up. It wasn't until I played the demo and I thought one day I was just, oh, well, the demo's there, I'll have a look at it. And because that's when I discovered you could play it as a, in, as a stealth game. I was sold. I literally ordered it a couple of days later and, and I got it for release. And played it through, in, in as you do. You, you tend to uh, cane things. I, well, kind of. Played it through several times, but only only on easy. Okay. I didn't didn't want to get bogged down in the combat hmm. at all. Interesting. You've been back since recently? Uh, briefly. Um, you know, the, the sequel came back, so that, that, that sort of detracted, distracted me yeah. from the first game. So, okay. Yeah. And also joining us on this issue, we have Joshua the Riddler Garrity. Hello there. Uh, now, you probably don't. Well, I d- they were rerunning the Camp 60s series at various points. I don't know if you've ever been involved in that, but um, I believe you are more uh, au fait with the 90s animated series. Uh, yeah, I- I've definitely. You know, it- it's impossible to avoid the uh, original 60s series. It's re- it reruns all the time. And I've seen the. Uh, the movie as well, which is hilarious mm. in its, it's own way. But yeah, mm. my first exposure to Batman was through the animated series. And I was, I'm a child of the 90s, so I was quite young when that was um, airing. But Batman the Animated Series is one of those rare 
uh, children's animated shows that actually as an adult you can get just as much out of it so um i revisited it um uh, as an adult and yeah i really love it still um uh, but i'm i'm kind of just interested in all things batman i really like the nolan films um i like the first tim burton movie I'm not a fan of the films that followed that one um yeah and so I was excited for Arkham Asylum, but there was that thing at the back of my mind that was going, well, this is a licensed game. So, and I think it's fair to say that, that there are some exceptions, but I think it's fair to say that the vast uh, vast majority of licensed uh, licensed games tend to be pretty disappointing. Superhero licensed games are yeah, notorious. A, a reputation for being weak, especially mm. with exceptions, as you say. But it, it did look really promising. There were a couple of developer walkthroughs. Um, they, they they kind of uh, on the lead up to release, they kind of emphasized the predator gameplay, right? Because they did they wanted to. Um, they didn't want people to call it a stealth game. Like that was part mm. of their marketing campaigns. Like, no, this isn't a stealth game. This is a predator game. And and they were exposing this, like they were talking about the ag- aggressive stealth in the game. And all that stuff was really interesting. And then the reviews came out. I was like, okay, this looks like, uh, looks like a licensed game that's actually um, delivered on the promise. Uh, well, based on uh, reviews, I, I hadn't played it yet, but, yeah, so I bought it day one. Been back since. I've played, played this. Formats I've played this several times. Actually, I think I've played it about five times. I played it again this year mm, on wow. PC. Um, all, every version of this game is great, but the PC version, that sixty frames per second, is really nice. Um, you can't go wrong. But yeah, if you have the option of going PC, go that way. Yeah, and it's often to be found very cheap on Steam. Uh, as it was uh, this weekend at the time of recording, but by the time people hear this, it won't be on sale, but I'm sure it will be again at some point. Uh, played any other Batman games? Um, <laughs> I, Apart from the sequel. I, there was this one on the PS2, um, Wrath mm. of Something. I oh, barely boy. remember it. Don't know that one. It's based on the animated series. Somebody will probably contact me on Twitter and tell me, what it is but there was a a game on the ps2 that was based on the animated series it was good but you know not memorable i mean i can't remember the name so that tells you a lot really but um (laughs) yeah it was all right i haven't really played many others i know there are a couple of um beat-em-ups from the snes era that people say like batman returns is meant to be yeah, All right. I've never played it, but I've been told that. Yeah. Uh, there was there was a Batman the Animated Adventures game um, from that era by Konami as well, when Konami were making a lot of great 16-bit games yeah. um, that I did play that was good um, with some of the problems of those games. Uh, sticky boss fights and difficult novelty levels and things. But yeah, uh, once we've got through me and Carl's history, we talk a le- very little bit about some of the Batman games. Um, so yeah, Carl is also with us. Carl, the Catwoman Moon. Um were you a day one Batmaner, Arkham uh, Asylumer? I actually, I was, um, and it came as a bit of a surprise to me at, at the time. I didn't really have a whole lot of money, and I had a friend who isn't really into games. Um, you know, he, he'll play them here and there, and he play FIFA every year. And he rang me up one lunchtime, and he said, "Do you fancy getting the new Batman game?" I just quite fancy it. I thought, well, you know, if he's getting it and he says it's good, then I'm going to be annoyed. So I went into the town and I, I picked it up. And I'd intentionally avoided pretty much all the press, as I do for any game that 
sort of interests me in any way because I'd rather just buy the game and if I don't like it, I'll sell it on and not lose too much than than have something spoiled for me. And there was obviously a great deal that was in there that that could have been spoiled for me in, in previews that I managed to sort of appreciate for the first time through. So I think I got about halfway through the game and... I actually changed Xboxes over from a, an old premium to a to one of the elites, and I lost my save, and that was annoying. So I ended up going back to the Batman game, and I got about halfway through, and I had a hard drive error, so I lost half my data. And it turned out that I eventually went through it in 2011 when I was working away in in about the space of a week, and I decided to give the oh, place a couple of years after. It was yeah, on. it was it was a long time after, and. There was obviously a lot of things I ended up remembering, and a lot of things which uh, which remained quite fresh. And it's something I'll, I'll stress later because there is a reason for that. And I ended up going through it again this year on the PlayStation Three when when I was going through games I actually quite fancied revisiting. Uh, my friend said she had the the PlayStation Three version sent me it, and and it was quite nice because I, I think I completed it, and about two weeks later we actually announced it as one of the shows uh, that we were going to be doing. So that was a bit of a bonus. Good timing. Yeah. If, uh, what about uh, sorry? What about the character himself? Um, you've got any particular investment with comics or films or whatever? Batman's always a strange one because I've never gone out my way to sort of follow him. But when I was you're talking seven, eight years old, I used to have a friend who he was quite well off, and it was always a bit of a a pleasure to go to his house. And he would I remember him. He was always going on, "Oh, this Christmas I'm going to get a NES and I'm going to get the Batman game." And he, and he was he, at the time they were advertising it quite heavily on the back of the old magazines, and he would always be like. Tapping it on the back of the magazine, saying, I'm going to get that, I'm going to get that. And he was a crazy Batman fan. You know, he'd have all the, the, the Batmobiles and Batwings, and we'd just go and play. Um, and then, you know, he, he moved away. And as I went into sort of junior school in the, in the mid-90s, I had another friend who was, was crazy, and I used to go to his house every day after school, and we used to go and watch an episode of the original 60s TV show, um, which, which, was, which was always a laugh. I mean, we, we knew it was a bit naff even then but it, it was quite funny so I, I sort of had that investment and then again through the 90s on the Saturday morning you'd have the cartoon which I'd watch and I didn't sort of follow it like I did the the X-Men and Spider-Man cartoons that were on on like a, a Sunday morning which I thought were absolutely terrific but I always sort of appreciated the the the, the sort of the voice work in it I don't, I don't know why I, I just always liked it and that, that was quite interesting um and the movies uh I loved Tim Burton back in the what late 80s when he was good and uh the the first two I always appreciated the sort of the visual appeal and I I, I even in a way kind of enjoyed some of the performances in in Batman Forever and and sort of drifted off until obviously Christopher Nolan came in and and reinvigorated the series so I've always had like a long history with Batman but I've never mm. sort of gone to seek it out it's always just sort of come to me and i've, I've always welcomed it I, you know i used to collect the the batman figures because they were cool and then the when they did the the, the further generations of, of nightwing and all that i bought those figures because they were even cooler well, that sounds like you're fairly invested in well i mean this, this was part of the, the the 90s when i would go into this friend's house and he would have loads of figures so i'd buy like the other figures and we, and, we, and we just we just have a laugh but i mean i, I was crazy yeah i was crazy for the for the figures and obviously that the competitive edge is also the reason that ends up buying arkham asylum day one as well so obviously mm. that bit's maintained with me Fair enough, yeah. One of my earliest memories is watching the 60s uh, series on a black and white TV in my parents' flat in Bristol. I was literally about three years old, um, maybe even two and a half, I'm not sure. Um, I absolutely loved it. 
Um, I was three, so I didn't know it was camp and silly and, a, and basically a comedy. I just thought it was really cool. Um, later on, I and understood, watched it all again and got the joke and enjoyed it. Um, there was also a, a Tea Time Saturday uh, animation, which probably, I think it was by Filmation or one of those, um, absolutely terrible thing probably with uh, like a, he had a comedy sidekick called Batmite. It was that sort of a cartoon, um, minimal frames of animation. I thought it was amazing. Um, and then Star Wars came along and kind of stole its thunder. But I do remember when my parents, uh, no, my mum brought me home this Marvel Comics adaptation of the first Star Wars film. And in it, they used obviously lack of ink colour and also to make him stand out. They kind of um, made Darth Vader look a bit bla- uh, blue and grey. So he, to, to me, I was telling my mum, I remember telling my mum, look, Batman's in Star Wars. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, completely so different always, personality of course <laughs> yeah but i was i was five you know i was a very little kid um yeah I, I, it was kind of confusing that batman was force choking people and stuff but you know I, I hadn't even seen star wars when i first got that comic either that was the confusion uh as soon as i saw star wars i understood that darth vader was a very different uh, animal um yeah, so you know, saw the films uh like i think like most people they are i think found that they kind of went up and down i wasn't a massive fan of the first tim burton one but i actually quite more enjoyed the second one just kind of more for its style than anything they're both kind of messy like burton films tend to be never saw the camp classic that is uh you know widely considered one of the biggest turkeys uh batman and robin um yeah, enjoyed the nolan ones quite a bit maybe not so much the last one um Watched the '90s cartoon in the '90s with my then girlfriend, who also had some of the, um, the yeah, the Killing Joke and all that sort of the, the serious graphic novels, and dabbled with those. But um, yeah, mostly for me, it was um, I was always aware of Batman actually being relatively well treated by video games in terms of critical response, anyway, um, compared to a lot of superheroes. Um, even going all the way back to the mid '80s, uh, there was a game by John Ritman and Bernie Drummond, who were famous for uh, Match Day and Head Over Heels and things like that. They did a Batman isometric adventure. It's kind of weird because he's a kind of cutesy, dumpy little Batman. Um, Ocean made that. That was that was well regarded. Then Ocean did a graphic adventure, um, well, sort of arcade adventure in a comic book style called The Cape Crusader. That went down well. Then there was the Ocean tie-in movie game, which sold a lot of Amigas. I suspect Carla remember this, 1989. Yeah, that was, was the, yeah, they did the original one, which was actually quite a good game. I played that quite a lot on the on the Amiga, or at the time it seemed like a good game being four years old. And, and obviously yeah. the, the, <laughs> the Batman Returns was also a, a, an interesting game that was done. I remember I had that on the Game Gear. Love that one. Yeah, I think there were some. I think there were some good uh, or better, stronger versions of Batman Returns than others on different formats. But I think, I think then I didn't really play. Apart from that SNES game we mentioned, I didn't really play too many of the Batman games in the in the interceding years. And, I, mm. and we've, had, we've had quite a bit of correspondence saying, you know, Arkham Asylum was the first time Batman was done justice and that kind of mm. thing. And, and yeah. I can understand that for people who aren't forty-one years old, they probably that's probably fair, but. If you go back to the mid '80s, there were actually some decent Batman games way back in the day. But then I think, yeah, the, there were some seriously lean years. Although, did um, Lego Batman come out just before Arkham Asylum? That was, that was probably yeah. Quite Le- Lego Batman was. It was strange because it seemed that you either really enjoyed, really loved Lego Batman, or you thought it was easily the worst in the Lego series right, because yeah, they changed that. a lot of uh, uh, a lot of the mechanics had, had changed quite radically for that game. I personally thought it lost all its charm 
Oh, really? Okay. Um, yeah, I didn't actually say uh, when I, I I did buy Arkham Asylum. I think it was probably first weekend um, rather than day one. Uh, it was one. I, I, it wasn't on my radar at all. I wasn't expecting anything of it. I didn't know about the developer. I didn't really even know it was coming. I don't think, as I recall. Um, but it was strong reviews and word of mouth um, piqued my interest, and I I liked the sound of you know, being the goddamn Batman and all that. And, uh, yeah, picked it up on 360 and completed it in fairly short order. Uh, replayed it just last week on PC. Um, and, yes, it is it is worth playing the PC version if you can. Um, it is smoother and it looks quite a lot better. But the console versions are great. Um, there is a head-to-head on Digital Foundry if you want to know the differences between the PS3 and 360 versions. I think they're fairly minimal, but I could be wrong. There are differences. Most, are there? Yeah. Okay. Um, so that's out there uh, without going into the nitty gritty. But uh, rock steady. So um, urban chaos, riot response. Anyone? I've never played it. Okay. But I've heard actually quite positive things about it from people I know and trust. Um, so I can't really talk about it uh, with any authority. But <laughs> it sounds like it is loved in certain circles. Two thousand six first person shooter. Yeah. Um, you you play Nick Mason out of Pink Floyd, <laughs> isn't he? Someone out of Pink Floyd? Um, I don't think it is that same Nick Mason. Uh, released by Idos on PS2 and Xbox. No, I didn't play it. Carl or Jay? No, nope. I actively avoided no, it. I didn't. There were several yeah, looked... urban games that came out at that period yeah. of time, and not one of them did sort of uh, did I enjoy for any particular reason. So when urban was attached to it, it was you know I was avoiding that. <laughs> I think it put, I think the word put me yeah it's terrible judging a game that you haven't played with with prejudice based on its name and its cover but I think I think it put me off but I think also the sort of middling to mildly positive reviews probably steered me away as well um but the director of Batman Arkham Asylum um obviously worked on that he'd also worked on uh, the second Discworld point and click adventure Discworld 2 Mortality Bites that was a great uh, game and it still to this day is my favorite manual because the, each page had sort of hand-drawn artwork on it in, in very much the you know the, the famous Discworld style, and it was absolutely jaw-droppingly meticulous. Um, okay. But as a game, it wasn't as memorable as the first one was. But yeah, Discworld 2 oh. always got fond memories of that game for, for many reasons. I've, I've personally, it's just just a thing. I never liked Terry Pratchett, so I I, I played the demo of the first. Di- no, I didn't. I played the actual game of the first Discworld on PlayStation, yeah. um, and I really didn't. I just didn't find it funny at all. So I, I yeah, I was just thinking, why isn't this as funny as LucasArts? Um, but yeah, I should have realised when I knew I didn't like Discworld. Um, he also worked Sefton Hill on Red Dog Superior Firepower for the Dreamcast. Anyone? I've <laughs> ever Never heard, even heard of, of it. That. <laughs> no. <laughs> it rings the vaguest of bells. Anyway, so uh, yeah, not not an astonishing track record going into this game, uh, but perhaps uh, the the headline name attached or one of them was Paul Dini, um, who started his career working, funnily enough, on He Man and the Masters of the Universe. Uh, also worked on Tiny Toon Adventures, Clark's the animated series, and more recently, Star Wars: The Clone Wars, uh, that CG thing. Um, but famously in the 90s. That Emmy Award winning CG. Yeah, yeah is it? I mean, I've never seen it. Uh, don't. Is it great? But, um, don't watch the movie uh, that they did oh, with yeah. it, the sort of uh, feature length version. Mm. But if you watch the series, it's actually quite good. Okay. Uh, and fam- more, most famously worked uh, on Batman the Animated Series, which I think, yeah, we've all seen at least some of and, and enjoyed. Um, but uh, Josh, you've 
uh, put here that he actually created the character Harley Quinn along with Bruce Tim um, for the show. So I, I didn't, I, I think maybe I knew this in the past, but had forgotten she was a character who came about through the animated yeah, series. Yeah, through the animated series. And then she became so popular that the comic mm. books picked her up as well. Um, yeah. Uh, it's, she's an interesting case because they lit, she basically came about because they wanted a foil for the Joker and they kind of just yeah. popped her in uh, without any, uh, she wasn't really a big deal to begin with, but then, you know, people just really liked her design and liked her sense of humour. A sassy Cindy Lauper-esque New York uh, thing. I think, isn't her origin story that she was the Joker's psychiatrist and she was a very sort yeah. of well-spoken, um, you know, yeah. highly uh, educated woman and then become basically becomes twisted through analysing the Joker and ends up obsessed with him and t- takes on this alter ego. Absolutely, yeah. She, well, she basically yeah. falls head over heels in love with him yeah yeah that's cool um composers um the the music you know it's batman music's obviously quite a big thing even going back to the you know there's still very famous uh theme tunes and stings from the 60s show and the 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 danny elfman scores for the tim burton movies um i think ron fish and nick arundel capture the mood uh in Arkham Asylum that you'd you'd want. Um, Ron Fish worked on Army Men, Green Rogue, Legends of Wrestling, Superman, The Man of Steel, uh, but also God of War two and three, and then other licensed Superman uh, superhero games, Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer. Nick Arundel worked on Shadow Man: Second Coming, which I'd forgotten was even a thing, <laughs> despite having uh, been reminded of Shadow Man recently because it pops up on good old games. Unfortunately, no, I have remembered it. Yeah, Shadow Man 1 uh, was basically an interesting, uh, huge, sprawling arcade adventure, but had just no signposting. So it was just the hardest, the easiest game to get lost in. The graphics in that game, you just couldn't see where you were going half the time was one of the major issues. Everything just sort of blurred into one horrible green-brown smush. I think the um, the Dreamcast version improved things, and the the PC version that's on good old games may be more still, but I don't know anyway. But the sequel, I, yeah, yeah, I don't remember too much about it. Uh, but there you have it, which kind of brings us to the game. Um, who remembers those first moments? Uh, you you kind of literally drawn into the game in the intro. Um, there is a hmm. there is a bit of CG, but I think the the more memorable bit perhaps is where you you first take control of the Cape Crusader. Yeah. yeah. I I think it's a genius move having Batman walk through the the asylum and meeting all these characters. Um, it's kind it kind of reminded me of how they uh, started Bioshock as well. Just that slow um, feeling of dread. That's like oh god, I am going deeper and deeper mm. into this place, and I have no idea of the terrors that are about to. Uh, be unleashed upon me half-life-esque maybe yeah 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 yeah. and uh, uh, the first thing that struck me is hello mark hamill (laughs) and um showboating from the off oh i've forgotten i've forgotten the voice actor who plays batman i'm sorry batman fans kevin conroy Conroy, yes um just immediately recognizable voices both both from the animated series of course as is uh Harley Quinn's voice actor, whose name is I've now Arlene Sorkin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lots of famous voice actors in this. Uh, Steve Blum and the rest. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, yeah. Mark Hamill gets to shine from the from the very opening, doesn't he? I think the intro plays such an important role into 
Arkansas, not just because, as Josh said, you see how deep you go in. Um, it's all about the the whole game follows the pacing of that very of that very intro from the from the the slow and steady, and you meet more people, and then you meet Croc. And I've said numerous times, I said it on the Bioshock show, and I've said it on the Half Life show, um, that I'm a big fan of a big sprawling opening. And, and straight away, this sort of tickled me in every way uh, an intro to a game should. Uh, it's so memorable that you know, scene by scene, I remembered it, and, and going back again this year, it was a joy. Just it, originally, it started that I'll just check, I'll just watch that intro again. I'll just, I'll just enter Arkham Asylum, and you, you sort of things start dawning on you from the from the second that you're in the lift and all the lights go out and you start thinking, oh, this is it. And then you realise that, no, no, it's just teasing you. Something just went wrong and you continue on. And then obviously you, you get played. And I think it, it doesn't worry about rushing anything. I think the whole intro's about four minutes long of just you walking next, next My, to the Joker. I think, I think it showed a lot of confidence in yeah. not only the atmosphere, but the writing as well, because... The thing that drew me in was the dialogue that uh, that was going on. Uh, mainly Mark Hamill's uh, dialogue was really good. Like some of the Joker's lines in that opening section are really funny, uh, but also scary. Just, you know, mm. the way the Joker is, is, is that he's meant to be like this weird contrast of both being hilarious and terrifying. And they got that right from the word go. It's the usual thing. It reminded, uh, deliberately so, I'm sure, it reminded me of uh, Silence of the Lambs, obviously the sequence where Hannibal Lecter is, uh, is you know, chained up, strapped up or whatever, but you know he's still completely in control of the whole situation. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's what you've got here with the Joker. You know that even though, I mean, clearly the there wouldn't be a, a Batman if it wasn't the case, but the, the Gotham authorities and, and, and everything are completely hopeless and bent and corrupt. And, you know, this this guy would have would have been properly incarcerated forever. But, of course, he's out, he's in and out like anything. And he always manages to bribe somebody and buy somebody off. And that's and that's part of his power and that's the mythos and everything like that. Um, but you know you know that he's going to have his way. I'm not sure when you think about it, it's the greatest plan in the history of, of, uh, of all of Joker's schemes. I don't know because I don't... Don't know them all but um but it does th this occupying arkham asylum thing does lead to this very you know this contained and s this setting this that's just the right size to lend itself to an arcade adventure well the thing is it's not it's not an original work is it i mean it is based on the it borrows heavily from the arkham asylum comic or series of comics that came out in the late 80s um, where it's 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 a strange thing because at first, the, if I were to cast my mind back, the very first time I heard the name Batman Arkham Asylum was being turned into a game, then that that was what sprung to mind. Like, what they're going to adapt that book because mm. it's like it, it's along the lines of a Killing Joke and the whole series of eighties comics where it was a darker tone, a much darker tone, and you were kind of mm. curious as to how that was going to happen. They they take some of the key themes and they do borrow heavily from the book but obviously in many ways they've changed it but what i what really stood out to me is the way that there's a familiarity not just in the fact that they obviously know their batman mythos but in the way that they sort of it it feels familiar in terms of the score has uh, is reminiscent of say danny elfman and hans zimmer scores mm. that we've heard in the batman films it there's there's the the whole gothic architecture thing seems is reminiscent of the the uh, you know the Tim Burton movies. There's and using the voice cast from the animated series and the writers for the animated series. It's like 
they knew how to hit all the right notes in terms of pandering to every sort of as, every sort of area of the family. They all refer to each other, all the all these different Batmans, or, or they quite often do. Mm. But it, the thing that surprises me about Arkham Asylum, and it, it did again playing it recently, is that despite all these manifold influences and references to different sort of eras of Batman stuff, it doesn't just fall apart. That's it seems no. to have a consistency of its own, which is it surprises me. I, I would expect it to fall between all the stalls. It does have the lightness of the relative lightness of what was a relatively dark kids cartoon <laughs> or, or animated series in the nineties, but it has darker stuff as well. You know, there's a lot of really unpleasant sort of references regards to Victor's as and things like that. Um, and some of the things that the Joker's got up to, but yet the overall feeling, it feels more like, do you, do you know what it always makes me think of? It makes me think of, I know it's increasingly the case over here, but American Halloween nights, you know, where it is about fancy dress and, quite you know quite scary stuff but there's always that feeling of safety like there's an atmosphere to it there's a there's a creepy ooky you know green lit an orange jack-o'-lantern atmosphere but actually it's safe for the kids ultimately even though they might get a bit scared yeah thanks <laughs> um what was that? i can't think what i was coming to did i interrupt your flow there jay sorry no 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 but it's it's, it's it, what what is interesting with all this stuff is is they seem in to my mind, anyway, they've given their own game its own identity through amalgamating all the different sort of facets that we're used to have seen in, in, with the various sort of Batman in the different guises and stuff, all the different sort of media. It, 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 they've established their own version of it with, with uh, you know, perhaps with the somewhat outlandish, quite gritty character design as well, the dirty-looking characters, you know, the sort yeah. of the, the grit. They've given it extra grit rather than sort of, you know, but I, I, I think it's important that they did that, that they set themselves apart from everything that came yeah. before, because it's so much easier to embrace this kind of new like vision for this character and like having all this like these different components from different areas of Batman works when you have a vision mm. that's unique. One of our correspondents, Sky Potter, I'll bring in a comment he made at this point. He said it's telling that the Arkhamverse, as in what's portrayed in this game has now become its own thing with spin-off comics and toys. Rocksteady clearly loved Batman and created a wonderful version of that universe. And a few people also sort of said it is like a kind of a hodgepodge, but a good one of a mixture of fan service. And, you know, there's all, there's tons of Easter eggs and it's got the famous rogues gallery. Everyone's referred to, even if they're not in it, a lot of the Riddler, mm-hmm clues that you find with detective uh, mode are references to a lot of sort of baddies and things that I'd never heard of as a, as a, you know, not a massive bat fan. I mean, there were, there were quite a few episodes. If you do catch uh, ITV daytime TV, I think it is on like ITV four sometimes now the, the 60 series, you do get these villains that some of them, I don't know if they just made them up for the series or some of them were perhaps more obscure comic book villains, but some really kooky ones is people like the is it like the watchmaker or something like that and there's uh various sort of there's a what guy that's a shark and there's a, a ventriloquist puppeteer and rat catcher yeah. well the, the best yeah. there is. Fire, firefly the is, and, and mad hatter and i'd i'd be interested to know because like a lot of people really where it comes to batman are probably more familiar nowadays certainly with the younger generation will be more familiar with the animated series and the films mm. than they will be with the comics. I mm, mean, yeah. the comics, there's 74 years of, of, of history with the Batman comics, yeah. you know, it's, it's crazy. The amount of 
you know all the various characters that have, have, have gone through in, the, in that time and and it, it must be a difficult thing if you're going to start from with a with a game based on batman is where do you come in on this whole thing and i think they they did a good job with just assuming we already know and that they just sort of kicked it straight you know straight in you're in the middle of it that did a, a really good job of sort of acknowledging that there were so many characters but not Basically yeah. going, here they all are, and making you walk past them all when you enter the asylum or, or mm. sort of make you speak to them or in, in any way. The, there's Obviously, there's newspaper cut-ins that makes you aware, and then that'll give you information so you can go into the gallery in the game. And one of the things I absolutely loved was that every character from there got its own bio once it was discovered, and it would tell mm. you their first appearance, the, you know, the number of the comic, the year it was. Um, and, and it was quite interesting when, as as Josh mentioned, that, that Harley Quinn was brought in, in into the cartoon series so that she had like a 90s birth era. But then you had some characters where you're like, oh, well, they're obviously pretty new because I've never heard of them before. And it, it's like year 1940 something. And you're like, oh. Mm. Well, that's right. Yeah, it does actually have their origin year and stuff on their bios and things, doesn't it? Yeah, you have like the first appearance, yeah. you know, say like DC mm. Comics, you know, 1941 or whatever. And, you know, with Harley Quinn was 99, which mm. I think she's one of the later. She she might be the latest one. Yeah, she's grown her own character of her own. She's so famous from stuff like Comic-Con appearances and people dressing up as her and that, flam- Cosplay, that yeah. flamboyant attitude and... And it makes you think that she's actually older or more ingrained in the sort of the Batman universe than she actually is. And of course, mm. you realise right at the start of the game that, that she plays the key role in, in in the old switcheroo of you're now the prisoner and Joker's free because she said so. And and uh, it, it's just a brilliant introduction to her character. But because she's so famous, you can't help but sort of smile because I think everyone sort of likes Harley Quinn. It, it, she's a very difficult character to dislike because she's got such an interesting backstory as well as such an interesting sort of place now as her current persona. Well, uh, one thing I was actually going to bring up, and seeing as you're talking about Harley Quinn, I might as well bring it up now, is that I was actually disappointed with her portrayal in this game. I think um, anyone who's a big fan of the animated series will say that she's absolutely one of the best characters on that show. And here I feel like her role is pretty weak, um, mainly because I don't, not that I'm saying that, I don't think like this was offensively bad or anything, but they sexualized her to a point where I, like not to an offensive level, just to a point where I couldn't take her seriously, seriously as a character. Uh, Whereas in the animated series, her design is much more comical and kooky. Like she has that, uh, jester costume that I'm sure everyone's seen, yeah. which Harley I think Queen is much, uh, much more interesting design. Whereas here, it's just a schoolgirl's uniform. Uh, which it's is, a nurse's. But, uh, it's a nurse's I, I, outfit. A nurse's outfit. Sorry. Yeah, and I was I was wondering about this. Though. I was wondering if if one isn't because it was supposed to be on children's television. So and and being in the states, they've got very strict code of conduct stuff for that stuff. No, and they sort of freed it up a bit for this for this game in terms of they could they I could push so, the characters a little Paul, further. Yeah, Paul Dini was behind them both. Maybe he'd always fancied making her that bit more overtly sexualized, but maybe more dangerous as well. To a I th- point, I, I think. I, it's, yeah, but I don't think they overdid it no. so much. Oh no, yeah, they perhaps went on. To I actually do, quite but, enjoyed um, a character. But one thing that I will mention and, and bring Arkham City into it here um, is mm-hmm. that I really enjoyed 
her voice work in Arkham Asylum, and she's one of the actresses that was actually replaced in the sequel for a different yeah. actress, and I yeah. wasn't aware of this, and I went straight from Arkham Asylum finally into Arkham City this year, and I was yeah, it made the news very when, disappointed. When it was announced. Yeah, when when it was announced that Arlene Sorkin wouldn't be returning, um, I can't remember who um, played her in the sequel. We'll talk about that. In uh, Tara, yeah. Tara Tara Strong. Just oh, that's yes. right. Yes. Who is another famous voice actor, of course, but isn't Harley Quinn. It's, so yeah, yeah, it's not that yeah. it was bad. It's just that that I enjoyed Harley Quinn so much in this game. Um, from yeah. uh, you know have, uh, what you hear over the radio and in the background, and and the brief sort of interactions you have in bumping into her, that she was incredibly memorable from you know such a short mm. screen time. She'd already been playing a character 10 years, of course, at this yeah, point. Yeah, of course. Uh, so, yeah. Well, it, it's the problem that any actor following up Mark Hamill is going to have to face as well. Of course. Like, that, <laughs> yeah. that, that role, that voice is so iconic that Troy it's... Baker has, of course, done his uh, his his monologue. Talk, you know, Completing his um, monster year, as, yeah, far as, they, yeah, as far as they go. Yeah. 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 I'm just going to backtrack slightly. The first appearance of Harley Quinn was in 1993. The comics I've got sitting beside oh. me on the desk are 99. I did think that sounded late because I'm, I, I'm sorry, yeah. I, I remembered uh, we, the way we remember things, but I remembered watching episodes with Harley Quinn with in the 90s with my then girlfriend, who wasn't my girlfriend anymore in 99, so that didn't, <laughs> that didn't add up. Mm. Uh, so I'm sure we'll come back to, you know, we'll brush across characters and performances again, but it's about time we got onto that combat, which uh, a lot of people uh, will probably remember Batman for. Um, the thing that strikes me about it, um, playing it again, uh, incredibly compelling, definitely really Moorish and for me, and like, um, it's one of those things, it's almost like I used to find with uh, the early... Um, harmonics games frequency and amplitude that you would you, your fingers and your brain would be playing it even when you after you've stopped your session of the game you put the controller down but you're still kind of doing those re repetitive actions there's something about the rhythm of it and the mm. the fact that it is stripped down it's so stripped down it surprises me that as much as i would love the 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 hyper technical involved combat of something like bayonetta i can enjoy this in Arkham Asylum just as much, even though it's ridiculously simplified. But it's not, even though it is very, very simple, it's it's not boring. Well, I, I think it's deep rather than complex, if that makes any sense. Like, there there is a lot of strategy there. It's just not in the uh, execution of the moves themselves. Mm. Like, you have to be aware of your surroundings and you have to um, be aware of what the enemies are doing and where they're, where they're positioned. And I, I'm glad you brought up frequency and amplitude because it does end up feeling a lot more like a rhythm game than a, than a beat em up yeah. at times. Like there is that feeling of like, ba bum, ba bum, ba bum. Oh, that's his and head flashing. totally uh, like percussion, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, yeah. And, but I, I just, I appreciated the combat system uh, in this game because Batman's a superhero, so you want to feel superior <laughs> to these normal, average Joe guys. And I think if they had that kind of bayonetta, like super technical fighting system, um, you would kind of lose that because, you know, Bayonetta is a powerful character, but she's often fighting enemies that are way more powerful, arguably, than her. So it, it, when you fail and you die repeatedly, it feels natural. But if I'm going to get clobbed over the head by some 
you know, average thug. That's not going to feel like Batman. Batman could easily deal with these guys. So it made sense to me that, you know, your normal average Joes were easy to take out. It's only when they introduced the guys with knives, the guys with electro prods and the guns, big hulky guys. And that's another thing, the guns. I really appreciated that the guns are just instant death to Batman. Pretty much, yeah. Even on normal difficulty, if you if you're up against more than one guy with a with a with an automatic, yeah, uh, you won't last very long at all. Totally changed Which, the whole strategy of every fight you've had up until the point that they're introduced as well. Yeah, uh, we'll talk about the stuff as well because obviously the exploding gargoyles come into play <laughs> as well, which changed things <laughs> up quite dramatically too. But Ooh. It's one of those that I know Jay uh, is just the way Jay plays things uh, over and over again on, on the lower difficulty level. And that's, that's totally cool. But this is a game where I actually, when I went back to it recently, although I replayed it on normal, I was really interested to go back in on hard just to see if, because I felt like I'd done so much of this free flow combat and I was, you know, I, I don't, I'm definitely not the best person at it, but I managed to get some of the achievements for the higher number combos and things. Um, and I was thinking, oh, this might even be more a bit more exciting on the harder difficulties because you know that if you do screw up like three or four moves in a row against the knife guys, you are gonna, you are gonna get your health depleted fairly quickly. Well, what I, I mean, uh, I'm not a fan of, of of having to learn combinations for fighting yeah. games and stuff. But what I found with this is. It's a very simplified system. And then when you get into where the art guys have got knives and they've got those electro rods and, and guns, well, maybe less so with the guns, but the approach kind of stays the same, but the order in which you do it is like, you know, like you'd have a block, but you'd use that first and then, you know, or you'd use a batarang first to disarm them or stun them. And then it's just a straightforward go in and beat the crap out of them kind of thing. And it was, it was, it, it because it kept it simplified, there was just that, I got really into it, but I still prefer to do, you know, if I could take them down by hanging off stuff and just drop, you know, it's doing all that. Much like the, 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 sort of the, the whole game. Um, there's, there is a whole sense of pacing to the, to the combat. And I remember the reviews came out and it mentioned this fantastic fighting system. And I, I bought it and I, home and I looked at the instruction manual and I looked at the controls. It just goes uh, X or, or, um, or, yeah. or yeah. P, it would be or square. Uh, and, it, and, it, and it would just say uh, strike next to the button and I was like that's this revolutionary fighting system but then so as you play it you realise that you, you can build these combos and counter and then you learn the you know you're able to use the batarang and then that comes into it but that feels natural because it doesn't feel like you're learning that much more because because of the time that you spent doing it and then you get used to that and then you can use the you know you can start pulling them in uh, uh, and, and, and it, every Sort of skill comes in at such a time after you've had so much time with that combat that you're merely learning one extra button push that doesn't actually feel that mm. complex to, to learn. So by the end of the game, you've got so many moves uh, and things available to you that are almost automatic because it's only one more move over what you've been doing for the last few hours. So um, it, it doesn't sort of give you everything and be like, yeah, learn to do it like, you know, you mentioned Bayonetta where you've got all these moves. Um, you, you've got maybe, you start with maybe, say, a, a round of eight moves, and then after two hours you've got nine, and then after another two hours you've got ten. That level of pacing in combat means that even the sort of less adept at this kind of game 
can quite easily progress and enjoy the game and never feel overwhelmed by the level of combat and the amount of enemies that keep growing and obviously the the new level of enemies the, the knives the stun guns the titans the guns yeah, and they throw in environmental stuff of as course, well yeah. the, the gun boxes and the electrified floors and all that sort of thing um, but yeah you're only ever using maybe at most well you you really you're pointing the stick um and sometimes you don't even have to do that if the enemy's near enough yeah um and two or three buttons most of the time. Mm. Uh, it reminded me a little of sorry, sorry. It reminded me a little of um, of the Assassin's Creed sort of setup, where a lot of it I can't like the animation, but it was like once you learnt the counter, it, it was it was just you know it seemed to almost take over yeah. and and do a lot of the stuff itself. So it it felt quite once you once you just got your head around like you say just a couple of button presses. It, it just flowed and it, it worked for that reason. Well, it worked for me for that reason. And it's it still when we when we when we talk about it and break it down when you when you put it into words, it still sounds like it it should be a little bit tedious, but it's not. It doesn't. Well, I don't. You know, I, I don't. I don't think I've ever heard anyone say that they didn't have fun playing as Batman in in, in the especially in the fighting sections. And you know the the, the combat challenges which reflect uh, you know scenes from the game. Um, uh, there are some there are some of the extreme ones which I, I've not actually counted up, but there are huge amounts of goons that you're fighting in a room, um, and it becomes this sort of you know this ballet. Batman has all these pre-scripted animations where he rolls between one and the other and he almost kind of teleports a bit like um i suppose the effect is not a million miles away from uh you know colin infamous kind of getting sucked towards yeah. things as, as he jumps so he doesn't fall which is you know a, a completely understandable and probably a sensible gameplay concession but and and so it is here but it's it just on paper, it feels to me like it shouldn't work, but it uh, it just seems at, to. At times, it comes across like um, great sort of movie cinematography when it comes comes to movies, and I guess that was one of my very minor down points is that it has that you're fighting one person and they all sort of stand around and watch that we're seeing in so many That's games, true. which you know the, the classic the, film stuff, as you say. They did later bring in obviously the the two two fighter counter in. Arkham City, which is obviously oh, one yeah. of the small changes that they made into combat, as well as obviously you could start using quick moves with other things. But um, I think that was the one thing that I would have liked to have seen in Arkham Asylum was the ability to counter two people at once. Um, but other than that, yeah. it's almost uh, flawless for people who aren't in this. The, the people that don't necessarily gravitate towards this kind of game and, and this kind of combat system sort of appeased them and anyone who's obviously into games as well. So, it, I mean, Full credit to him. Uh, so much so that that Sleeping Dogs came out and tried to copy the same combat system and still didn't get it quite as sharp. There's there's a few there's a few games that have uh, have gone for similar things since that I feel like I've played. Yeah, I, I feel like another thing that we should mention, and I think really added to uh, uh, the experience of the combat was that keeping your combo chain was linked to how much experience you got for upgrading your yes. abilities and stuff like that. So there so there was that always that thing in the back of your mind like I can't let these guys hit me at all because if I break my combo chain I'm going to get less experience and the satisfaction you get from like getting that you know there's the thing in the corner that says times 20 times 50 if you can chain like so many moves together that you get like 40 up there and that you have all these experience points coming in and yeah it, it was a really clever way of 
getting the player to master the system. It adds a real um, buzz in doing it. And of course you've got the it comes into your strategy with your combo as well. That I think is it every eight or you can downgrade it to six with a with a well, you can upgrade it to only six hits that you get an instant takedown when you press square yeah. and cross or triangle and circle. Um so you you would immediately target those easy villains and then go for the immediate takedown on someone with a knife and, and then you try and get another six to try and get the other guy with a knife and um Little touches like that, just marvellous. Another uh, huge element of the game, as we talk about being the predator and the stealth, um, you spend quite a bit of time uh, sneaking uh, by holding in the right trigger by default on um, on Arkham Island, is it? Um, yeah, Arkham Island. Sneaking about is, uh, again, you, you're Batman, so it's quite powerful. They don't hear you as long as you're sneaking and you're basically somewhere behind them. Um, they don't see you when you're hanging right above them and all this sort of thing. You know, it's very much sort of um, aimed in the player's direction for the most part until you alert them and they have weapons, in which case suddenly the the, the dynamic very quickly changes. Um, I certainly, I, I remember saying this on old podcast Gamerdork at the time, that the thing I liked about it, as has been discussed in other games, not a big stealth gamer, I don't have the patience for it, um, but in this game it felt more like a survival horror, but where you're the horror, as in you've got these nervous, skitterish, uh, skittish goons who are, you can see when you go into detective mode, um, that they're nervous or petrified or whatever, and the more of them you take out and the more the more you toy with them, the more the more panicked their colleagues get. Meanwhile, Joker's kind of pointing out their failures to them, and that's quite fun in itself. Um, stringing them up and then dropping them down. There's there's like an achievement. Is it rope-a-dope for yeah. stringing them up and then mm. dropping them down, that kind of thing? And it encourages you to to toy with them rather than other stealth games, which for, you know, for their own reasons, quite rightly so, make it that it's very difficult, very easy to be spotted and all that sort of thing. It's quite... This was one of the things that sorry. This is one of the things that really kind of um, that I really keyed into when I was playing it because I would approach each area like a puzzle unto itself, where you've got all the environmental stuff you can use against them. You know, put an explosive against this wall, call them over, or do something to attract them using a sonic boomer or batarang, and and then blow the wall up in front of them and stuff. And it was I, I really that's this is where I spent hours. Go it, wanting to go into each level and do it perfectly hmm. by taking everybody out through using just environmental or or you know and all that kind of stuff. I, this is uh, where I felt it really. It's excelled. quite funny then because you mentioned that you were on about that you are the the horror in there and going back and playing it in two years later on the on the PlayStation Three as I did this year. It was quite funny that there's a section in the Hall of Records where you've got to take on so many enemies that have got guns in there and you sort of sneak in thing to thing and it was. Yeah. I remember sort of laughing to myself as I was doing the old corner cover to take them down. Um, and in, in my head, I had that whole, you know, Josh will know which one I'm talking about, the, the whole Walter White danger quote in my, in my head <laughs> as they were coming near me. And I was reeling it off in my head as I was whipping around the corner and knocking them out and then, you know, going up to the gargoyles to take the next one. And uh, it, that just really resonated with me as a, as a really fond memory of playing it back uh, post sort of breaking bad that was uh, sort of just amusing 
I guess the illusion is sometimes a little bit broken, probably partly due to the clumsy, cat-handed way I play these things, which is where I'll tend to, as soon as I, as soon as one is isolated from the group, I'll do the glide kick, which is a simple stab of the X button, and then you pretty much automatically zoom down. Occasionally, you come a cropper on that if you hit some scenery and, yeah. down and stuff, which is really annoying. Um, but if you don't, then it's a matter of you, you knock them down, then you do the trigger and and pound move. I can't remember. It's I think it's right yeah, trigger, it's right and, trigger y. and Y or triangle hmm. knock them out but then by that stage they they, they will all be uh, all the others if there's any left will come running and then it's a matter of quickly uh, stabbing the right the uh, right bumper or R1 to uh, hook hook line grapnel and back up to the, the see you as you whip past them. <laughs> yeah, and if they do see you, then there's this rather comical moment where you zip between the gargoyles over and over again, and eventually they go, "I can't see him anymore." And it's kind of daft, but it's it's okay. And normally by that point, I've taken some damage because yeah. I'm just not patient enough to do it the the way that I I know that you guys probably would, which is you know uh, slowly uh, picking them off one by one. Naturally, that happens to anyone that they'll have those moments but like you said it's a concession that was made and you almost forgive it because you can see what they tried and it's probably the best that they could probably manage it um and it, it never in any way feels like oh that's dumb that's sort of unfair it just feels like well maybe i could do it a bit sharper or maybe that's just how it is and and you know yeah. at least the options there to be able to do it and like like jay said with with the way that you do it with the uh, gadget for the sonic batarangs for example and luring them out and taking them down with corner cover and stuff and then you've got the the actual predator challenges which are the opposite to the to the combat challenges in that you have the enemies to take out and you've got to take uh, three out in a certain way on that level which m- makes you sort of read those areas completely different whether it's a, a straight line kick or a, a dive kick or um exploding mm. some explosive gel on the floor and stuff so there there are so many different ways to play it and Going back two years after I'd managed, because I've got the 1,000 points on the Xbox version, um, mm. and I went back to it on the PlayStation 3 this year, and it, it was strange. In the very first combat, I managed to get the 30-chain combat achievement. I didn't quite manage the 40 because there wasn't enough enemies. And then it was going through areas that I'd done the expert combat challenges for, and I saw those areas completely different going through it the first time. And it's interesting that the option is always there to play it, if you know exactly what yeah. you're doing, you're never sort of limited by you're limited up to a point by the game, but it it never really says, look, you can't do this because you know you haven't sort of practiced this way. This is an advanced way of doing it. If you can do it, you know, if, if it's open, it it can be done. Yeah, they are. It's it's that great thing, you know. Getting rooms in an adventure game that feel like they're a natural part of the narrative, but they've clearly been meticulously designed to be played in their own right you know I, d- I don't know whether it could be one of those where it almost happened by fluke and they went hang on these are fun enough we can actually chop them out and make them into a separate yeah. high score attack mode um or maybe they were just always that thoughtful in the design process. and it never feels like it's just oh it's content to extend the experience that, i think that is the probably the most important thing about all the challenges it's like we have to do this because it'll make the game longer it feels like yeah these are good enough in their own right to have these as a game yeah, they could have released just the combat challenges as like an XBLA game or something. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so another huge element of this game uh, are the gear gates or the arcade adventure if you're older or the Metroidvania if you're younger. Um, upgrading and going back, um, seeing seeing things that you can't access early on, um, things where you'll need the multi-attach grapple thing to pull flaky uh, cement away or the uh, 
crypto decraft decraft. <laughs> I don't even know. You know that cryptographer. Yeah, I like that. I really like that. That's fun. Um, all that stuff. Uh, so, of course, they semi-repopulate some of the areas when you return just to keep it a little bit interesting. Um, as I recall, there's often some of the... Because you, as you go through the story, you release some of these crazies, these completely freaked out people and and they seem to some of these seem to crop up when you return to previous areas and occasionally there'll be a new group of yeah goons or sometimes whatever. it'll change as well i mean the the arkham island actually takes those three phases isn't it? there's the original phase then there's the joker fired phase and then there's the poisoned uh, poison ivy phase um yeah, where course, you get sort yeah. of different enemies and, and like when poison ivy comes in you'll start having uh those sni- and snipers oh snipers are bad yeah mm. yeah yeah, there were a couple of those sequences actually where, again, probably just me being impatient or not very a not very good Batman, but some of those sniper sequences actually seem pretty tough, like as in they would spot you unless you took a very specific path. Yeah, or a it's specific kind of annoying. And... There's one point where you almost have to go through a very narrow angle into the uh, cemetery else you get shot by two guys on top That's of a right. building. Yeah. And that bit, I couldn't for the life of me figure it out what I was doing wrong the second time. And I don't know whether it was I was more patient the first time in, in and rushing through the second time yeah, because I've done it in the past. Often away and, with replays, yeah. Isn't it? yeah. Yeah. Um, but yes, Josh, I know you're a big fan of gear gating <laughs> and, <laughs> and other, other things. Uh, do you enjoy that aspect of this game? I think it really aided the pacing of the game, just, uh, just slowly giving you new items and opening up different areas. Um, I really like Metroidvania games. I know that word has become un- unpopular it's in okay. recent years. It's okay. We don't have to justify using it every issue. It's yeah. fine. But anyway, um, <laughs> it. I feel like... Open one of my problems with open worlds is um, my just this is me talking personally is that um, I feel like there's this big open space but there's a lot of just running about between missions and stuff like that running between uh, people and there's not an there is stuff if you just a lack of focus yeah that's what I mean yeah just and poor pacing as well just mm. like wandering about and not getting to the point whereas with these open-ish areas i feel like using items to open up different areas and and stuff like that just gives the game a flow and um just this constant feeling of momentum like i'm constantly getting better as batman i'm constantly better prepared for the enemy that i'm about to face and it makes it very hard to put down and stop playing um, and I found this um, uh, this year as well, playing the PC version, even though I played that game several times before, I found it really hard to, you know, go off and play all these other games on my Steam list that I haven't even touched. Yeah. Because that game just, it m- makes you want to keep going with all this gear gating and, and, and all this stuff like that. The riddles it's, as well, that's pertinent to this, isn't it? Yeah. The constant, the constant mm. uncovering of secrets and Easter eggs as well. Loads and loads of little things squirreled away, some of, the, some of which are, re, uh, are rewarded in the game by scanning them with your detective vision, some, some of which are just there for the sheer heck of it, I think. Um, I think and I think there, there is a real skill to putting just the right amount of stuff in a game and... You know, and I think that is one of the things that when we talk about City in a month's time will we'll come up as a criticism from both the panel and correspondence that 
I'm, the yeah. I'm sorry. Finish your point. No, no, that was sort of it, and I was, okay. didn't want to get on city. So, um, uh, just briefly going back to characters again, I think their use of the Riddler in this game was inspired because I don't mm. think that character the in the comic books and in the animated series, I feel like the Riddler is a little bit too close to the Joker. So mm. for him to be just another villain in the story would have been a bit rubbish in my opinion, because it was just, you basically got two characters who are exactly the same, both kind of interesting in their own way, but they kind of they, they they kind of have the st- the same deal. They set up traps for the the uh, for Batman, and they have like a comical twist. I'm or a riddle. so They're... glad that you actually brought that up, Josh, because one of my favourite things about Arkham Asylum was not seeing him. You, yeah, you know, yeah, he's and... always in contact over your radio, and you feel that that in not seeing him, it becomes a more of a mental duel with him. But he's yeah, setting I... new challenges, and the joke is mm. always about setting new challenges physically, and it sort of separated yeah. it into two very different elements in the game. Yeah. And as as the percentage of your your riddle solving goes up, and there's there's quite a number in each area. Um, eventually, he starts to get panicky, ticked off yeah. that you're yeah that you're you're gonna you're gonna spring. cheating. I know you're cheating, um, but yeah, it's it, it's just a real understanding of the fiction and the and the uh, the lore of Batman. Having that character just be a, a side uh, a side mission because. Um, I think he work, the Riddler works much better than that. Let the Joker be the antagonist. Let him be the mastermind who comes up with the clever stuff and have the Riddler just be this side character because I think they're too close, so it works better that way. And I think that was clever on the uh, part of Rocksteady. I think... And some of those, some of the puzzle, puzzles were really, really good. Yes. <laughs> like, I, I, I had a particular thing for those perspective ones, you know, where you'd see... You would see the dot of a question mark and then it's like, where's the rest of it? And you knew that it would be somewhere you have to look from one particular vantage point and use detective vision to see it. And it was just then I would spend ages trying to find that point only to find out I haven't got the right equipment to get up to the highest point. And so you think, right, I'll remember that. I'll come back later. And it became a bit of an obsession with it. So it was just... I think... Remember it or note it down. (laughs) I think with... um... You know, we mentioned the the open areas, and Josh mentioned that they never felt like overly empty. And I think that the Rocksteady as a whole had a massive amount of faith in their art team to to deliver a world that that people wanted to enjoy. And whether that was interiors or exteriors, and that is completely true. No area simply felt like a gateway. It it never felt just like a hub world to to separate regions. And those areas not only are they interested in the design and tell a story just by being in it? But with the riddles and, and the little Riddler trophies and so little touches like flyers on the walls that would tell you even more, you know, the depth of stories and the political world going on around Arkham Asylum was just absolutely jaw-dropping. Um, that, that a game that superhero games have never really had that sort of level of creative flair in in how they sort of go about creating these these worlds this this is a world that almost belonged in something out of a superhero game but it felt totally at home being in it because there there is a massive law to batman there is so much there and they packed every sort of living square inch of that with something that that told a story of different of different enemies 
So, you know, if you were inside, you saw like the Riddler's cell or you saw Clayface, um, which is a brilliant touch in his own right where, you know, he... Oh, because he's disguised he, as... Gordon, and he's like, he? get me out of here. Yeah. And um, you, you turn around and you hear a noise and you turn back and it's someone else. And he just like starts laughing at you. Um, is, it, is it Quincy Sharp? Suddenly he becomes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, That's and right. you you look at him in detective vision, and he's got no he's got no uh, bones or heart, um, and and and, and he's That's he's the right. only sort of one that does that. Or you've got, um, in in the botanical gardens, you've got like the little tea set for, the, for like the Mad Hatter, mm. Uh, mm. just mm. stuff like that. Is if if anyone's ever into sort of the environmental design of stuff. This should be something that you show to everyone as that's you know that's how you do it well. Although it was very convenient, I did I did wonder if there was a better way of doing the you know you enter an area and 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 literally some text comes up on the screen telling you what you should be looking out for. I did wonder if there was perhaps a more subtle way of doing that, you know, pointing because like that's that's a good example of that. You know, it points you towards that tea party yes. with a not not too cryptic clue. Was there a better way they maybe could have done that rather than just having some text on the screen maybe well some of it some of it was obvious but there were some of those uh sort of cryptics yeah. that were really quite sort of hard to get your head around and and there was i think even now there's there's a there's quite a few of them that i, I am just uh, stumped. this time which i didn't do i don't think the first time i did a couple of those ones where you have to line up the bits of the question mark yeah um mm. in detective vision and uh they're they're quite cunning little puzzles i thought uh you know frustrating until you realize until you work out what the what the what the trick is to it um and then it's a matter of working out where the bits are but stuff like that's cool um it wasn't all just i guess what i'm saying is it was it was more interesting than just simply you know finding all the riddler trophies yeah. in the the many many I think ultimately there's through. a million games that do collectibles and there's a million games that aren't overly memorable because of them and this has so many different ones and you you, you remember the perspective of this because it felt like it, you know, with him being a detective, you feel like you get that element of it challenged in the same way that, you know, you get his martial arts ability challenged or his determination challenged. And the, the obviously they took the, the actual character of Batman, took all his strong points and then put something in this game, challenged sort of every area of it. So that, And I think that's probably a reason why you don't see that many people who are crazy Batman fans say anything really overly negative about Batman Arkham Asylum, the game. Well, Which the, is surprising. The thing, the thing for me, and I brought this up earlier, it's it's not just the attention given to Batman himself, but just the world. Just Arkham Asylum is such is such a dense environment to explore. Just there's so much detail, and the Riddler trophies point you in the the right direction to look at some of that stuff but the fact that they went to the effort of putting all that stuff in all in this environment i honestly put arkham asylum um up there with places like rapture in terms of environmental storytelling because both those games like there's nothing there by accident like there's no, there's no chair or table in Arkham Asylum or Bioshock that is just put there to be a chair or a table. It's all there to draw your eye towards all these interesting details about characters you may never have heard of. And 
and characters that you know of, but they're only briefly in this. Like, I love the fact that there's just this ice cell in the corner of a room that's barely yep. brought to your attention. Mm. But you know who that is if you're a Batman fan. That's yeah. <laughs> Mr. Free. You need to it's, scan that as well. Yeah, and just all that little, de- all those little details were just jaw jaw dropping to me. Just amazing attention to detail. We need to move on and talk perhaps about something that maybe maybe we won't lavish with quite such fulsome praise. Um, and we will talk about the the uh, the, the psychomantis scarecrow bits uh, when we move on to the correspondence because quite a few people mention it. It's obviously a fairly big thing. But we'll talk about the other bosses now, um, including the final boss. So uh, we haven't given out a spoiler warning for this one. Hasn't really been that relevant up to now. Um, but there it is. Uh, so... There are a few sort of, I suppose you could barely call them bosses. There are a few sort of incidental fights with tightened up goons, um, like mini bosses, I suppose. Uh, they all basically follow the same pattern. They charge you, you batarang them in the face, it all goes slow-mo. You punch them about a bit, eventually you can ride on them. That stuff, uh, I thought those were quite fun. I, yeah, I just yeah. saw them in the same way that you see anyone with a knife or a, or a baton stick. They were just a, an enemy that were to be challenged with a very sort of set strategy. It it was a bit disappointing that Bane kind of just did the exact same thing yes. those guys did because I, I know in Batman and Robin he's an idiot uh, the film but um, in the comic book series and the animated series Bane is actually meant to be quite clever uh, so and in the to, <laughs> recent movie and in the recent movie as well mm. and so for him to just be like the Incredible Hulk just charging you, smash, Bang, kind of smash. felt really out of character. You just pull his pipes out or whatever, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but perhaps more contentious were things like Croc and Poison Ivy and the Joker, um, um, none of which I personally massively enjoyed. I didn't have a huge problem with the actual Joker fighting mechanically. I didn't because it just wasn't very difficult. <sighs> Some people seem to have a real problem with that but poison ivy was a i found an annoying boss fight and um the whole croc sequence it's not as bad the second time because because you kind of know it doesn't take forever but the first time i didn't enjoy it at all i really liked croc i was gonna say yeah i i i like the idea more than the execution it seems to be one of the things that comes up quite a lot but yeah whatever what what, you you guys enjoyed it more that's cool well 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 for me i think it uh, comes from a phobia of mine in that I'm <laughs> Giant croc. just well not just crocodile anything dangerous in water oh, I am you, you're like utterly Desmond. terrified of yeah you're like Darren Gargett um, shark, <laughs> sharks in video games like sharks I, in video games I, is the scariest sharks thing. in video games are the scariest thing ever the opening <laughs> I did not know that the opening mission of uh, Tomb Raider yeah, Underworld, Underworld I've not played it is I've not more it. scary it's more <laughs> scary to me than any survival horror game of this I That's absolutely really agree yeah. and I'll play my favourite genre is well, horror games love them so, can't play sharks so, <laughs> so for me, like that entire sequence was terrifying. Yes. Because you heard, saw these ripples in the water and you hear the croc underwater go, hang on it. And, yeah. and you get the shockwave like, if you move too fast. <sighs> so you know he's coming if you're making too much noise. Mm. And you, it, for me, it was, you know, you're, it's very clear you're entering his domain where, yeah. you know, he is the master of that area. You, you can control anywhere else you want. In in Arkham Asylum, seemed a but not silly this. to me though. The sort of the rickety planks on well, the it, surface of the. Sewer it would be that he had the whole area. He would have the whole 
catacombs area of Arkham Sound. They've thrown him down there. Why? Why would he make it all planks? Just convenient right size for Batman. I, I, I actually agree. <laughs> I actually agree with you, Leon. Yeah, and I think for people who don't share my unique phobia, that, that would unique. probably Carl well, shares it and Desmond. Darren, not unique. Sorry, oh, and, and Jay, <laughs> not mean. unique. Sorry, I that was in the, the face wrong of word. Croc, you, you cowards. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I mean, funnily enough, I've spent many. I've just recently played Far Cry Three, and I spent, every time I went in the water, it was like, get <gasps> yeah. out of the water, get Same out of the water, here. get out of the water. Same this here, is yeah. <laughs> And it's like you turn around quickly just to see those fins behind you, and I swear you is got it, cold. You know, it's like fear of the sharks rather than the water. It's fear yeah. of sharks, yeah. absolutely. The real just... problem with this, I was talking to him about it recently um, when we met up. Um, I'm more familiar with, although I don't suffer from myself, arachnophobia. I know that both uh, David Turner and Michael Fox of Joypod can't play things like Skyrim and probably Metro Last Light because of the spiders in it. Um, my girlfriend Tanya wouldn't be able to either because she's, you know, properly arachnophobic. That is, you know, as in shuddering fear when confronted with spider, you know, actual panic, not, not, ooh, it's a spider. Um, but yeah, Croc to me was kind of silly and irritating. And once once I got the you know I got the trick. If if there's if there's a rumble, you just stab the batarang button. He goes away. It's, it's kind of the whole sequence is a bit boring and laughable. I think with if with the batarang to the okay. face, I always really liked the animation of the stumble animation into the water. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought was, that, was that was really cool. impressive. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, but then it kind of and then the the sort of ending of it is the same thing, but he falls down a bigger hole. Um, yeah, personally not a fan, but that's cool. It, I mean, it, I'm not saying it wasn't without any tension because obviously you never want to have to redo bits and stuff like that. So. Well, I think Croc's always it an unstoppable enemy. It could have done with being enemy. shorter, I think. That, that was the thing with Croc. You, you're always aware that that he is this incredible thing that they don't even want to deal with him. These experts He's are coming to right throw him down. Isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Um, mm. that, and he even says that a collar, a simple collar, won't stop me. And you know, you blow him down this massive hole and he's still alive because you know he is because you see it in a cutscene. Yeah, there's, there's something, we'll talk a little bit about that. There's, isn't there a, a, multi, a multiple end cutscene post-credits option? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, don't, I didn't actually know about that. Um, Poison Ivy, I think it was, for me, the most irritating of the boss fights. Just yeah, the, the grass that grabs you. Yeah. Um, the fact that you've only got this quite quite small window to release your batarang to hit her and, it, and it's the classic it's got two phases it, um it always not, felt not when you're throwing the batarang at her that you were throwing the batarang knowing that you're going to hit her and also get hit it, it never Almost. felt like there you was can dodge it, it but it's yeah. very sort of hit and miss even when you know i've played it so many times through that has always sort of been the the sort of the point where i don't like any game where I know that that's my window to have my attack, and I'm still getting hit, especially yeah, when it's on yeah. hard and it does so much damage. Old school, really old school yeah. style stuff, isn't it? Um, boss, boss fight stuff. It, it felt like it was out of another game. That one to me, almost. And and for me personally, it just felt like a really unimaginative use of poison ivy. You're talking about a character who can control people's minds. Like, why not do something a bit more interesting with that character? Well, I mean, look at the damage she does your... to, to Arkham Island. She can tear up Arkham yeah, Island, yeah. but the, the threat that she has is she throws a couple of what pollen bubbles and vines yeah, at her. It's it's just not. I it's just kind of lazy, if you know what I mean. It's just you know cookie cutter boss design. Really, it's not. It's not horrible. It's just not very engaging and kind of tedious. It's almost yeah, like the DSX Human Revolution outsourced material, isn't it, where it, it stands almost. out that it's not quite right. 
maybe that's yeah. a little harsh, but yeah, it's in that. <laughs> it's probably <laughs> in that ballpark. Um, and as for the Joker, so as I say, spoiler here, if you haven't played Batman Arkham Asylum, I think almost everybody has who will be listening to this probably. Um, but a few of our correspondents say that why make this, the, kind of the whole yeah. point, one of the reasons I'm not a big fan, one of several reasons that I'm not a big fan of the Batman the movie, Tim Burton, 1989, is that uh, Jack Nicholson's Joker is portly. For me, Joker should be wiry. Yeah, um, yeah. And certainly what he shouldn't be is a giant, as one of our correspondents puts it, we'll come on to this, Gears of War monster. It doesn't make him scarier. It makes him st- stupid and goofy and cartoony. It seems and I know it's a so comic book, out but... of character for him to do it. It was, it was a strange Absolutely. thing. It's that, yeah. that He wouldn't do that. <laughs> well, well, I'll question that. I, I would say that the the... The action of him injecting himself with something potentially fatal in terms of uh, and and this you know turning him into a monster that wouldn't seem out of character. This is a guy who, for the hell of it, would just do something like that. Why not? You know, because he you know he, he's not he always has that kind of you never you you never can second guess him in that regard. But it. it in the actual game, it doesn't work. The, the, the creature looks crap as well. But mm. I, know, I think it's... for me, it's more that it's not the interesting. It's not what makes Joker no. interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, like I think one of the big problems with translating that character uh, into video games is that he's not a physical, you know, presence. He's not a character who's going to go toe to toe with Batman in a fist fight. The thing that makes him interesting is he has nothing to lose. So the fact that Batman can beat the pulp out of him doesn't make a difference. Like it doesn't matter to him. Bat- Joker will gladly die. Well, he's at been Batman's beaten up hands. so many times mm. by Batman in the past, hasn't he? It feels like yeah. why would he pick this moment? And I mean, I mean, yeah, we, yeah. he is a martial arts very adept at martial arts. It makes that clear in his in his bio is that he, he is very skilled, but he loses fistfights to Batman constantly. Why would he pick well, this moment to just go? Oh, yeah, you know what? I'm going to go a bit tighten. Well, the, the the thing with the Joker that makes him interesting is that he doesn't have to fight Batman toe to toe. He he's in many ways smarter than Batman. Yeah. And what makes that character interesting is all the stuff that happens in the game previously, like setting up these traps, setting up these situations that put Batman in a horrible situation. And I feel like they felt like they needed to have an end boss. But the Joker is not the character to be that end boss. I don't think. Um, like mm. some, I, I I struggle to think of who would replace the Joker in that situation. But I don't know. Some someone like Razal Ghul, who's both clever and a physical presence, might have made more sense. But uh, I don't know. It's it's a horrible well, situation all, to yeah. be in as a developer. Yeah. Well, many games have suffered from a, a struggling. End game boss fight, How I guess, you know. Yeah. Uh, our yeah. correspondent, insert coin, says, I'll bring this in at this point. The plot's fascination with Titan was a bit of a sore spot for me. This feeling really culminated in the final boss fight. The game did a great job of making each villain appear threatening throughout the game. I can't imagine why they felt they needed to make the Joker into a Gears of War monster to make his fight seem substantial. He is Batman's most dangerous foe already. But, like Bioshock, I don't let one rubbish final boss fight sour my whole experience, especially when the game is so abundantly littered with brilliant moments like the fantastic psychomantis scarecrow encounters 
Um, the thing for me about the Joker fight was at least, um, and I, I'm not just saying this to to, to brag because I never do about my games playing ability, but both times I found it really short and easy, which I, I'm sure maybe it was I, I just twigged to the the technique straight away. But I'm sure I read multiple reports. Of people going, "Oh God, that boss fight's so annoying. I can't finish the Joker." But it seemed to be. You know, when he comes down, you just roll. You just roll away. And when he's yeah. up there, you just beat up the guys like you've been doing the rest of the game and then grab him. It's It seemed like the just a complete anticlimax in every sense to me. Yeah, I, it wasn't even that interesting a fight, though, was it? You know, it, it was it was that whole kind of they'll do the same move and then he would stick his hands in the ground and they get yeah. stuck and then you go and beat him up. And it was just, you know, rinse and repeat throughout. Yeah. Uh, we will, as I say, talk a little bit about the Scarecrow stuff, although we've mentioned it several times. But um, let's bring in some correspondence as time gets on. Uh, let's start. Jay, do you want to read Sky, the rest of Sky Potter's 1138? Yep. Rocksteady made you feel like Batman, stalking henchmen from the shadows and then leaping down to take them out or freaking them out with a well-timed batarang never got old. The world was so atmospheric as well. I loved slowly traversing the corridors of the asylum and soaking in all the details. Low points were some of the boss battles, which were a bit samey, but thankfully short-lived, not counting Croc, which went on far too long. Josh, you want to Andy's? Andy Kurosaki says, I enjoyed Rocksteady's Urban Chaos game on the PS2, so I figured this would be worth playing, and it turned out brilliantly. Satisfying combat, a great story, top-notch voice acting. Loved every minute of this. The Scarecrow encounters being definite highlights. Carl, do you want to take Alex's? Yeah, Alex Dollar said, I loved this game. I loved everything about it. The combat, the detective work, the riddles, the perfect boss fights. I especially enjoyed the Scarecrow interludes, probably the finest example of madness slash hallucinatory experience in any game. Yeah, so conscious of time, but uh, those Scarecrow bits... um sort of uh, strange <laughs> cover base stealth for once um the the pers- the whole perspective goes uh, sort of pulls out almost goes sort of like a old school 2D platform in some ways also plays with the uh with the media medium in other ways hence people mentioning psychomantis including the 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 famous sequence where the game appears to crash and uh, you get game overed and it was it says it says press middle stick to dodge joker bullet or something like it's, that after he's apparently shot that's you That's really head. interesting because there was so much that I loved about Bat- uh, Batman Arkham Asylum that clearly I couldn't remember it all when I came to playing it again two years later and I actually panicked yeah. for the second time when I thought my yes. game had corrupted which I absolutely love the fact that obviously it got me again but yeah, yeah, absolutely marvellous. Some people may not have enjoyed it breaking the fourth wall like that and taking you out. Possibly, if any of any of you not like it for that reason. I'm personally, I'm a huge fan of when games do stuff like that. So mm-hmm. no, I, I loved it. What, one thing I will say though is that I think I preferred the um, preamble before the boss fights than the actual boss fights themselves. Mm. Like I loved when uh, Batman suddenly turns into younger Bruce Wayne. Yeah. And uh, you get to see his parents, and that you know the the end uh, the sequence you've already mentioned about the Joker taking you into the asylum, the asylum instead of you. That stuff was brilliant. Um, but I think the fights themselves kind of not bad. They were just kind of simple, if that makes any sense. They weren't very yeah, interesting. They, they were simple. Mm-hmm. I think the thing that I most appreciated about them, um, apart from the 
the the visual appeal of it and the the floating islands actually being done well was uh, Scarecrow's the the simple touch of Scarecrow's animation like is is fingers with the syringes on the end coming round the corners and the way he'd sort Creepy. of the way he'd sort of peel the the animation felt really natural it was re- it was a really complete full cycle animation that never felt like it was um you know it never looked broken in any way it was very very smooth uh, there's no little um, things there's like no that. mocap in this game is there it's all i'm pretty sure it's all um whatever they call it keyframe yeah it was it was it was very very well done um and it, and it, especially in an engine where maybe not so many games had actually managed to to sort of nail that level of animation down uh, correspondent Coffee Jesus CJ from the Polygon community says the scene with Bruce walking through Wayne Manor, rain starting to fall inside, to then slowly see the hallway become Crime Alley was utterly, utterly stunning. Honestly, one of my favourite Batman moments. Um, he said it, he actually got emotional about that. Now, I, I probably don't have that same level of connection with, with Batman as he does. We'll hear a bit more from him in a minute. But um, I wasn't quite so sure with the with the stuff where Bruce is seeing his parents and stuff. It it makes sense, but I th- I, I, I thought maybe maybe it's something about the the fact that if there is a weakness in the graphics, even playing it now on PC, it is the the character models are a bit boss-eyed and dead-eyed, and maybe the whole him seeing his parents thing felt a bit heavy-handed to me. But perhaps I'm on my own in that. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, in two thousand and nine, Arkham Asylum was surprisingly one of the benchmarks graphically. Oh no! I mean, the game the game overall looked looked really cool, and, and I and I thought it did at the time. But I do remember thinking the, old, the character models were a bit the, chunky. The Unreal Engine, bit... yeah, character models. yeah, classic yeah. Unreal Engine character models, yeah. Um, and 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 not just that, not just that aspect of it, but just the the general going through, going over the whole, you know, Bruce Wayne's dead parents stuff again. Hmm. I suppose it's kind of relevant, but you know. Yeah, just touching on the graphics thing a bit for a sec, but the 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 actual character models probably. Whilst I like the the character design with the creature, you know, with the the villains, and and you know, I've got no issue with Batman, but then he just looks like Batman. I've got a bit of a bugbear with the the, the general kind of thugs, the way mm. they look. It's the there's the the quite an uninspired look to all of them, and and once you you know. To, I don't know. It's just something. Oh, well, no, I, th- I think it's, it's a very relevant point because uh, my father. Um, always wanted to play the game, but that was the thing that put him off. Mm. Is he said, "I can't be doing fighting the same enemy that that just looks like that, like so boring, uninspired throughout the game." And he and he and he realised how much he was going to miss. Obviously, the, the the better things of the game. Yeah. But he said, "I won't get that out of my mind that I'm seeing that." And I, and I think it's a relevant point. It is way worse than you know. It is the lowest point of the game arguably is the look of the the very generic thug yeah and you've you, they reuse a lot of the voice samples as well through although it sounds like you know there's just a handful of guys doing the actual voices like yeah um i'm not sure if he if he does the voice but i keep hearing um bender <laughs> all the time <laughs> every time there's like you know you can hear him. I, see, I know you're there, bats, and it's just it's it's Bender every time, and it's just like oh god. But I can, and that's what threw I me think off. They as spend well. their money on the on the, the headline voice cast, perhaps. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, moving on with uh, Derek Ritchie, who says Arkham Asylum's greatest strength for me was the developer's desire to concentrate on a small area and pack it full of interesting possibilities. The superbly designed locations that tantalise from the start are all grouped together, continually fire reminders in the player's brain when each new ability is unlocked that they could go back and find something new. Remembering all those cracked walls and electrical boxes that may reveal a new upgrade was continually tempting. Everything felt like it had the maximum amount of effort put into it to provide something that not only provided good gameplay, but also cohesive within the fiction of Batman and the game's asylum as a whole. Baker's 12. Um, Arkham Asylum did not disappoint. Its main strength was that if you don't feel like you're controlling Batman, you are Batman. Picking off henchmen one by one and watching them become more fearful and jittery as you perched on a gargoyle above them was a joy. The only low points in the game are a few of the boss fights that were either annoying or just odd. Croc. We're looking at you. Uh, the final fight with the tightened-up Joker is a misstep. A prolonged game of cat and mouse with him in the funhouse would have been more in, in keeping with his personality. Batman Arkham Asylum is a love letter to the Batman's to Batman's universe. The fact that they put in a hidden room that sets up the sequel shows they are working on something that that had legs. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that. I remember it, mm. it came at the time that they'd already uh, they had this highly hidden room that you have to. Uh, Blow up in blow up the wall mm. to get into in a particular way, and it has got an Arkham uh, City blueprint. So they obviously and it was you know, it took confident. a long time to be found as well, if I remember correctly. It certainly yeah. wasn't found. I don't think in two thousand nine. Mm. It might have been the end of two thousand ten, maybe. Blimey, almost rare style. Yeah, uh, Josh. Uh, Beck says. It's not often that I have the time or patience to complete a game more than once. Batman Arkham Asylum is one of the few that broke this trend. I couldn't put it down. I've completed the story three times between both consoles, collected all the collectibles, finished all the combat and sneak missions. I well and truly cane and rinsed this one. Once you have mastered the combat mechanics, you are instantly rewarded with the ability to wreak havoc on large numbers of goons. On the first playthrough, I played as a silent assassin, mainly because I found more than a few goons challenging. On the second playthrough, after completing the combat missions, I was boldly attacking large groups without hesitation. The combos let you break limbs and destroy the Batman's enemies as if they were nothing. Carl? Tadinho said... Arkham Asylum is, for me, the best adaptation of the Caped Crusader after the animated series. Rocksteady embraced the Batman universe while giving it a new spin of their own. Asylum manages to make players feel like Batman himself, from the combat to the detective mode and the setting. All of the elements of a good Batman adventure are there. Dom's Beard says Arkham Asylum is everything a Batman game should be. Great fan service, and it made me feel like I wasn't playing a Batman game. It made me feel like I was Batman. I think that's fourth or fifth time we've had that comment now already. Arkham itself was a stunning location to tear it up in as bats. But that brings me on to a little problem I had with the game and its sequel, Detective Mode. I felt it pushed you too much into using detective mode to get around and find things, meaning you spent far too long out of the surroundings. Yeah, I think that's something uh, people, one of the few criticisms, I mean, this is a game that I've, I've heard very few negative things about apart from those boss fights, but that would be the other one that I've heard come up uh, in reviews and from other people, other podcasts. Uh, the, the reliance on detective mode to solve so many of the puzzles means that you're missing out I on the colour I believe Rocksteady actually acknowledged that themselves, didn't they, that they probably didn't realize at the time how 
Yeah. How heavily it can be leaned on. Insert coin. Uh, my expectations could not have been lower for this title. Uh, games based on comic book heroes, with few noble exceptions, usually fall into the same traps as most licensed video games. But I was absolutely sold on it after playing through the brief demo that preceded it. Arkham Asylum mastered both action and stealth in a medium that typically allows one or the other to do well. The highlight of the experience was exploring the island. It plays like a Disneyland theme ride of Batman lore. Finally, Coffee Jesus, CJ. I had a strange time initially with Arkham Asylum. It was one of the first games I bought for my PS3 and I was really excited about it. I'm quite the Batman nerd, particularly for the animated series, and to see those characters taken into games properly thrilled me. Yet, when I got my hands on the game, it didn't click at all. The characters seemed too big, too clunky, and a good chunk of the screen was obscured by the Bat himself. Honestly, I didn't play that much of it, eventually trading it in under the guise of it being not quite my cup of joe. Possibly even a year later, I was looking on Xbox Live for something to play, saw the demo for Asylum and figured I'd give it another go. This time, something really spoke to me. Nothing to do with the game being on a different system, it just felt right. All the aspects that irked initially didn't bother me, and I was taken in by the combat, the mood, the moment. I ordered it immediately after. When the game arrived, I became smitten with it, not because of the game mechanics. I knew at this point I'd be having fun, but for stunning instances in the story which dropped my jaw, else made me cry. And that uh, that linked into his comment about young Master Bruce in Crime Alley and stuff like that. So, yeah, good. Uh, you know, I mean, this has been a bit of a loving for Arkham Asylum, which is what we were expecting, and I think that's fine for the first issue of a new series. It happens sometimes, um, but at least somebody there didn't get on with the game straight away. Uh, we also had a whole host of three-word reviews. We don't have time or space to read all of them, but we thank you for every single one. And here are some of our picks for this issue. Me again? Yep. Oh, of course it is. You've written it down I've there. Written it down. Saying, huh? <laughs> right, okay. Stuart Cullen, uh, Dark Knight Begins. John Denton, Faithful and Determined. Justin Smith, Does Franchise Justice. Alan Wilkinson, Pow, Smack, Kapow. Uh, Flynn, Bang, <laughs> Bang, Pow, Zock. I wish, I wish all of series. our three-word reviews were like that. <laughs> You failed us, people. Well, I think they missed out on adding a special mode that you could turn that on in the game because it it would fit so well with those. (laughs) It is funny. It does show the influence of the 60s. I mean, obviously, that that was influenced by the the comics themselves. But I think for most people, that's where they remember that from or have seen it. Sean Labode says, free flow, brutal gliding. Jeff Pendleton, detective mode engaged. Jerome Mackey says, perfect combo achieved. Clever, that. Ramagama. <laughs> uh, exploding bat punch. Oh, yeah, that's the ending, isn't it? Steve Robinson says, sublime, brutal combat. Marcus, Scarecrow is scary. Andy Piddy says, holy Batman game. Martin Baker, I am Batman. As are we all, apparently, summing it up. Um, so, yeah, what is that? Just very quickly, what's the multiple ending thing? Because um, I think I saw Croc's hand it's come up with a can. Croc, Bane, or Scarecrow. De- de- determined by? A difficulty. Right. Oh, okay. uh, if you play a different difficulty, you get a different ending. Okay. <laughs> Not that interesting, then. All right. <laughs> so, uh, going around for our heartfelt but hype-free summaries, uh, starting with the Joker J. I enjoyed it. Um, you know, I, I, 
I say that I'm not a massive Batman fan, but then, I'm, uh, funnily enough, this week I pulled out all the Batman comics to have a, just a read through, and realised that I had far more than I realised, <laughs> you know. And um, but yeah, it's it. I liked it. I liked the fact that it paid. It, it understood the law and and mythos surrounding the Batman that with with you know, and not just like the last fifteen years or twenty years of Batman, but the whole the whole seventy four year lifespan. You know, um, they had a good grasp on on all the different facets of, of the Batman sort of media, and um, for that, I think he succeeded. And yet, yet, you know, like we said earlier, they 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 established themselves with their own identity with it as well. So, um, yeah, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it so much that I bought the sequel day one. So I guess, you know. Yeah. Carl, would you recommend this game as if we needed to ask? <laughs> it's hard not to recommend Arkham Asylum for, you know, the few mistakes that it has. It does a lot more, you would argue, right. It's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, for the combat, the detective mode, it there's there's a lot there to appease a lot of people, whether you want to play it stealthily like Jay or you want to, you want to go and punch people in the face like you Leon it's <laughs> it, it it's a lot of fun and i think where it really drew me in maybe more than any other game that, that can come to mind certainly more in the, in the batman franchise was in its pacing it's perfectly paced you know you never felt like you rushed into learning too many abilities you, you see stuff in the environment that, that you think oh i wonder how i get by that and by the time you actually unlock the ability to to get it, you still remember those areas. So you're not going, you're not sort of forgetting and then rediscovering. There's you, the the characters are familiar, but it treats those unfamiliar characters uh, with just as much uh, credit and gravitas. Like Victor Zaz, a lot of people might not know about him, but he's very much a part of the game, and you you learn about him, and he gets as arguably as much screen time if not more than, than someone like Harley Quinn and it's I, I I remember learning through college that the 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 when I did website design that the, the greatest website design is when you know that you can do everything and you remove everything that isn't necessary and that's exactly how I felt about how they treated the villains in this game there are so many villains in the Batman universe, but it didn't feel like it had to throw them all in there. You know, the the fact that Catwoman in there what didn't bother me. The fact that you know, Clayface plays merely a a glance, literally a glance, and that for me was where they sort of really took in their art and delivered something that was so complete that it. it it didn't feel like they they had to throw everything at us, and maybe you know that that is something that that irked me a little about the sequel. But in Ar- mm-hmm. in Arkham Asylum, I felt like everything was done with purpose. Like Josh said, it doesn't feel like there's just a chair thrown in there. It feels like when I play a game, I like to feel like the designers all got around the table and they did they discussed why they're doing that why that has to be like that why that can't be there and and in arkham asylum that is how i felt every step every hall i went through felt you uh unique and and you could tell where you were at a glance the progression whether you're sneaking through the vents or, or you're you're clamoring across gargoyles taking people through glass uh, taking people down through the glass ceilings or, or merely tricking them with a sonic batarang everything 
was rewarding and everything was with purpose. And, and for that reason, I have to recommend people play Arkham Asylum, whether it's your genre or not, because you're going to see something that has maintained its level as the yardstick in this genre for more than one reason. Excellent stuff. Thanks, Carl. Um, yeah, I was about to say, oh, how come Victor Zaz has never been in one of the films? But then I remembered that he does yes. make a very... Yeah. He's played by Tim Booth out of James in one of Chris Nolan's films, the, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, the first one, isn't he? Bizarre. He's, uh, yeah, yeah barely, barely makes an appearance, but when he does, he's out of a 90s indie band. Actually, they lasted much longer than that. But anyway, um, very briefly for me, because I agree with everything else uh, that uh, Jan Carlo already said and probably that what Josh is going to say, uh, I really enjoyed... Batman Arkham Asylum both times um, playing it again now on PC it felt fresh it was a game that I was only too happy to re- revisit um, rather than you know being like oh do I need to re- do I really need to play through this again um, not only that I was keen to actually start a third playthrough on the hardest difficulty probably won't get around to finishing it but still the intention was there the desire was there and to echo what so many of our correspondents have said rarely has a game made me feel like I was inhabiting the avatar I was controlling as much. Um, Maybe normally for me it will be stuff with silent protagonists, interestingly, um, first-person stuff, but for it to be a third person with a a vocal protagonist is uh, feels like quite an achievement to me. Okay, so I've had this lifelong affection for the the character in question, but still, yeah, and everything that uh, Jay Carr and no doubt Josh will have said about the design of the game, I, I echo. Josh I think for me the key to any great adaptation is that you can change as much as you want about the the source material but you have to love the core of that franchise that IP and I just feel like the the people at Rocksteady clearly love batman they've given it their own they've given batman their own unique identity uh, its own unique personality but like at its core it's still batman and you can tell they love every inch of the lore the story and the history of that character uh, for me this game has become one of those rare games that i find so easy to replay over and over again um, and when I start it, I find it really hard to stop playing just because, you know, it's so well paced and it's so well put together. And there are problems with it. We've mentioned the boss fights, but I feel like the things that I love about this game make those little issues forgivable. Um, it's arguably uh, one of the best adaptations of this character. I would put it up there with um, the Dark Knight and the animated series. I, I just, as a fan of this character, I couldn't have asked for a game that just represented what fans wanted, what like someone like me really wanted from this kind of experience. And I'm really thankful for Rocksteady uh, for putting all this love and all this effort into this game. Beautiful. Makes me want to say, Batman. Anyway, um, it just remains for me, Leon Cox, to thank Jay, Josh, and Carl. And Tony Atkins will be your host next week when he, James, and Darren Gargett discuss Rare's cheekily titled Grabbed by the Ghoulies. Until then, we'll leave you with some moody Halloweenish music. 
goodbye.